What is up, Hoopers, Analytics, Bad Guys, Bucket Getters, Boosters, Blue Bloods, and New Bloods? On today's episode, we are breaking down some freshmen and transfers out there. Uh, who are the best transfers coming into new programs this year? Who are some freshmen that are going to not only showcase their talents for the next level, but also be in a position to do so? A lot to talk about, and we're excited to break it down. Hello, Hooper Old. My name is Chuck Clary. I write for Slipper Soul Fits and Busting Brackets. And joining me today, he's available at Arizona State. He's he's a basketball fan, but he can fix football too. Uh, he'll keep your lights on and keep the water running. It's Josh Linky. What up, fellas? Also joining us, uh, the number one hammerer of the Jackhammer fandom. Uh, it's college football season, baby. Herm Edwards down in Arizona, gone. Josh Linky in. Pushing the Corvallis agenda straight out of Lake Oswego. It is Austin King. What up, boys? Let's go, Beavs. Yeah. Jack Coletto for Heisman. Uh, what I, position? You won me over. I'm a Beaver believer at this point. I love it. I what love pos- it. What position does Jack Coletto play? Everything, bro. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, uh, if we're gonna he, give Shohei a Tani that kind of love, we should give Jack Coletto. He literally kind of is a fullback, a running back, a quarterback. He plays basically every single position on special teams. Uh, he's a linebacker as well. That man can do it all. So like Kentucky being an everything school, this man is an everything player. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to break away from college football because screw that sport. It's dumb. And we're going to talk about basketball, uh, if that's okay. And so coming up this week on Hello Hoop World, I gave a top 25 listing for the top 25 impact freshmen. It was a difficult list to come up with, not just because, you know, there's wavering talents, inconsistencies, uh, uh, diverse opinions about who's going to be him. If there are any hymns out there. And I know I'm not talking about the uh, dandruff and shaving solution slash how to uh, enhance your life in the bedroom. Hymns. <laughs> I am talking simply about that dog Wait, in you. Are we are we not brought to you by hymns today? Uh, not no, uh, not, not brought to you by Roman. Um, if you if you have depression, consult with your doctor before listening to the New Bloods podcast. How do I tell if I have low T, Tuck? Uh, you look in the mirror and say, "Am I Tuck Clary?" Then you got low T. Because the oh, answer is no. You okay. Yeah, I love how I, we pivoted to a reproduct a men's reproductive health podcast. That's all. That's. I'm sorry, but that's all sports podcasts. Josh. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the the uh, the concept of the sociological problem of uh, men just be lonely right now, so they uh, commit themselves to sports. Yeah. Uh, Seven so- swipes. Hit us up. I'm ready. So (laughs) we have the top 25 freshman list that's coming out this week, as well as a top 25 impact transfers, because there was a load of talent. The transfer portals is, is, is hopping as ever. Um, you don't like your situation. The grass is always greener, except if you're not a four or five star, then you're likely not playing basketball this year. Other than that, Let's let's break it down, guys. Who is a freshman that you're super excited to see play this season? So I, I feel like there's there's this interesting aura that's coming from the the green forests of Bloomington, Indiana this year. And <laughs> it's corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that might be it. It might have planted some new cornfields. That could be correct. But you know, I, I think that. Mike Woodson, what he's put together with this roster, the com- the players coming back like Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier Johnson, and then the incoming freshmen, one of them in particular stands out to me as just a really intriguing piece, and that's Jalen Hood Shafino. This is a guy who's got plenty of size. He comes from good stock as far as uh, the coaching pedigree that he's come from in, in the prep game. Um, you know, we, we know and love Montverde very well as Gonzaga fans. And I think that he has something within him that would make him very intriguing in the big 10 this year. Maybe he's not going to be um, a star 
per se, uh, right off the bat, but he could provide a, a supportive role for this team and help push them over the hump and get Indiana back into that second weekend status in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, you know, I, I think that there's there's a possibility that this this Hoosiers team could look a little bit better than we've seen over the last you know 10, 15 years. When when was the last good freshman at Indiana? Have I have mean, we like actually had a good one on one and done Indiana? One well, last highly touted one was probably probably Romeo Langford. Yeah, but he's not good. No, but <laughs> wow. he's he's quite bad. Uh, he's on he's on the Boston Celtics. Where is Romeo Langford? I'm pretty sure where he's on the that... main Red Claws still or something. Where where art thou, Romeo Langford? <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Hey, he's he is Maine. a Saint. He is a San Antonio Spur. I'll have you know. Oh, uh, interesting. The worst roster in the NBA. Yeah, he's about to be overtook by uh, uh you know some of the some of the rookies on that team. But that's okay. I mean, uh, go back to like what Cody Zeller, Yogi uh, Ferrell, DJ White. Well, Yogi Ferrell was there for years. I'm talking about like a uh, one, one and done one guy. And done, like Indiana is a blue blood, and they've just completely missed out on the entire like one and done era. Uh, I one and done. Eric Gordon. Indiana, Eric Gordon. Yeah, that's the I guess Eric Gordon's I it. Yeah, and Eric Gordon's a bucket. So, oh, I love Eric Gordon. He's yeah. a bowling ball that just hoops. Yeah, <laughs> I like. It's so cool that there is like. A guy that's like six foot four. He's like, yeah, no, all I do is shoot threes. I don't do anything else. Like, yeah. what do you, what do you, you want me to play defense? Uh, I'll put my hands up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think so. I really like uh, Hood Chiffinell. I think his size, like you mentioned, Josh, he's six foot six, already over 200 pounds, I think, or close to 200 pounds. I think he's going to be just like a solid, a solid, solid piece in terms of like maneuvering into the lane. Uh, getting the pick and roll action with Trace Jackson Davis. I think that's just going to be bread and butter, but I, I'm interested if he can develop a consistent like mid-range or perimeter shot because that's just something that we haven't seen much from him. It's not that he can't do it. It's just for, for his game to really progress and for Indiana to reach the potential of legitimately being the best team in the Big Ten, he's going to have to develop a perimeter shot. I agree. I think it's it's a matter of does he have that bucket in him? If he does at this level, then then he could be a good a good special player in that conference. But you know, it's it, you can't really project that until you see it, like on paper. Like on paper, it looks th- this way or that way. This freshman class, like, and, and look, I'm not I'm really not trying to to be a negative person. Slander these kids, Josh. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of the 2022 or 2023 class at all, and I'm just I really question whether a lot of these kids had the opportunity to train during the COVID years and be prepared. Like, could these guys project out like two, three years down the road as being really good quality? Quality players at the college level, sure, but you need time when you don't have the pedig- the training and the pedigree that you needed for the last few years uh, to to be ready for this level. Like this is a grown man's game. Yeah, it's it's a great question. I I think it's interesting too because the the players that I feel less concerned about like how polished they are or how ready they are are to be at the division one level are also the ones that have like a legitimate log jam in front of them for playing time. Like guys that just like considerably are ready or could be ready, but just will not be given the opportunity to really become him quote unquote. So uh, Austin, who is, who is the freshman that you're excited to see? Okay. I do want to talk about Keontae George, who's probably my favorite freshman in this class, but I'm just scrolling through 247 right now and it just came to me that kyle filipkowski looks exactly like ivan drago and i feel like we have to talk about that (laughs) please go look at his picture he looks like a combination of ivan drago and a farmer from nebraska um he i i don't honestly i'm not out here watching a ton of kyle filipkowski because he's a a 611 white boy that's gonna you know stretch he's a stretch center he's a stretch yeah sure yeah, anyway. That boy's got care. a long neck, by the way. Yeah, anyway, Keontae George, who is going to be far better because he is not in a log jam like Kyle Filipkowski with Derek Lively in the front court with a first-year coach. Instead, Keontae George is 
a wing 6'4", kid out of Louisville, Texas, played at IMG, which is one of the better prep schools in the country. Um, he kind of fits in that Jared Butler mold. Uh, again, like Baylor has been the best program at producing wings in the country. Uh, we saw that last year, uh, although it didn't exactly go well for Kendall Brown uh, the second half of the year. And then all of a sudden he goes from like, should he be taken in the top 10 to he's a two-way contract guy? Not great, but uh, they have done a great job of like producing wings. Um, and I think Keandre George is going to fit in that and be one of the most impactful players. Um, that's a freshman in this class by far. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a borderline, if not like a second team, all big 12 player next to Cryer and um, next to Adam Flagler. I think he fits the mold. Uh, the Baylor looks for in their, you know, their backcourt situation. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. He can get to the bucket at will, and, and he he's probably going to play own. right. And he he's going to play some pretty solid defense uh, for, yeah, the, he is. for the Bears. So yeah, I really uh, like Keontae. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to get the playing time necessary to be an impact freshman this year for sure. Do you think that he will get the usage to to be as impactful? I think he'll get the playing time. It's just. Is he like to the level of option that having Adam Flagler attack the basket is? No, I, I just think they're, I think ultimately Flagler is going to be the leader in that backcourt. But, and, and you know, Cryer is going to be a big part of that too. But the fact that they kind of play this like different game, Cryer is going to be that more of like that stretch player who's going to make spacing a little bit better for, for that backcourt. Um, George has the opportunity to play on the other side of Flagler and be an important part of that team regardless. So, you know, is he going to necessarily get like, you know, all big 12 usage? No, he's, he's going to, this is going to be, he's a freshman, but I, uh, here's where I want to push back though, Josh, because I think what we saw with Baylor last year was that they were extremely perimeter oriented. They did not get to the basket. If you go back um, and look at all of their losses, they just didn't get any shots at the rim. And there's partially a spacing issue and things like that. But what Keontae is going to be able to do is be one of those guys that can actually get to the rim and break down closeouts. And Flagler and Cryer are going to draw a second defender. I think that Scott Drew is going to use them off ball a little bit better, have a little bit more ball movement and off ball movement. And you're going to see Keontae be able to take a lot more shots. I don't think he's going to be out here shooting 12 to 15 times a game. Um, but I think he's one of those guys that has the length, has the size and the ability to break down his defender at the end of the clock with that when Flagler and Cryer, who are just smaller guards are going to struggle to do that. Keontae has the opportunity to actually create on his own and could, you know, become one of those guys that takes big shots down the stretch um, because he's just that type of player that can create on his own. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree on the front that he's, like I said before, he's, he's a very different player to what Baylor has in that backcourt already. So like just inserting that level of, of difference in that system is going to make things look, um, you know, a little bit better for how, how they get to the bucket this year. And, you know, having some healthy bigs in the rotation, uh, hopefully for the Bears as the season progresses will be a big part about making sure that he has space to operate and get to that bucket when he needs to. Speaking of of uh, uh, big men, uh, a player that I'm interested in, he's another, he's on, he's number 14 on my list. Um, I, I think it's interesting because I think he's a player with, that's going to have a lot of opportunity because of the team that he's on. And it's a player that I think is, you know, inherently part of this class is like a very raw player with upside, but definitely he's going to have some room for improvement in terms of fundamentals is uh, the center for UCLA, Adam Bona. I think that legitimately he offers something that has been like kind of an Achilles heel for this UCLA team in terms of dependable offense. Uh, they lose Johnny Juzang. Uh, obviously they lose, uh, both of their of their starting centers or uh, platoon centers in Miles Johnson and Cody Riley and Bona is a six foot ten forward. He he weighs two thirty five. That's probably why he's listed as a forward because he has he has like unlike Riley and Johnson this mobility that is just like 
freak athlete. Like legitimately, he is leaps and bounds going to be a better defender than Riley was last season in terms of being able to stay in front of his man, defend the pick and roll, uh, recover during the pick and roll and, and like contest in, in the mid range while also able to get back and rebound. Uh, but also he is legitimately the first like rim attacking center they've had since I guess like Chris Smith back in 2020. Uh, basic. It's just a component that Mick Cronin has completely been lacking uh, his entire time at UCLA. Uh, I looked earlier today uh, and according to hoop math, about 53% of their center shots came at the rim in total. That's it. Uh, for, that is not good. Uh, Cody Riley, his uh, shot attempts at the rim, who he, he was a leading uh, field goal attempt uh, center on the team. He shot 35% of his shots at the rim. That was just completely, completely absent. And in all honesty, a big component for why they flamed out uh, the second week in the tournament. So I think adding Bona and and giving uh, Hawkeyes the ability to, to get more spacing in the mid-range, to let Tiger Campbell have somebody who can abs- actually play in the pick and roll and like be a lob threat would be huge for that team. Yeah, if, if he he offers something that they didn't have at all, um, and that is that ninety, I would say, just a safe estimate, ninety plus percent of his shots will be at the rim this year when yeah. in his usage. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's he's the type of guy that like he doesn't have a lot of post moves, but he does have the dunk. Like yeah. he's gonna dunk over your head every chance he gets. Yeah, and um, like and like he shows potential with the post moves because uh he's really good it, with two moves. He does a, a pretty good like uh quick turnaround. He he does a pretty vicious like in the lane spin move. But like yeah, he definitely doesn't have the footwork down yet. But he is fly to foot. Like he's super fast, and this UCLA team could actually get up and go, which is something they really didn't do the last couple of seasons, but like with Bona, he's like legitimately gazelle. Like he, he can absolutely run the court really comfortably. So I think he should be really interesting along with Amari Bailey and could help reshape what we consider the UCLA brand to be. Do we think Mick's going to do that though? Oh, Mick's going to want to muck it up. (laughs) Yeah. Mick's a mucker. Come on. I think, I think Bona provides the necessary tools for him to muck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like one big concern is he does like to guard with his hands a lot. So we'll see if he gets in foul trouble early. Um, and as you mentioned, Josh, ninety percent of the points will be in the paint. So you know, a lot of a lot of attempted charge calls by his yeah. def- defenders. But like he also pro- he projects to be a two year guy. I don't think he's a one and done kid. Uh, no. And so like. Seeing him this year is going to be really interesting to see if he does start flirting with the mid-range and the three-point shot because his form isn't terrible. He just doesn't risk it. He kind of he kind of reminds me a little bit of Christian Coloco. Um, and when he first came in at Arizona, he looked super raw and lost at times. Um, and he, he didn't really have the, the the shot that he developed as he grew into his role at Arizona. Um, I think Bona ha- is like emerging with the mid range, and he's starting to like grow into that role. Uh, but like you said, this is not a one and done guy. He's at least two years, in my opinion, and probably closer to three, depending upon you know how he develops. Yeah, it's it's super interesting to see what he's going to do and like what level of impact he has on the offensive end, considering Tiger Campbell, Amari Bailey, Amy Hawkes, Jalen Clark are all on that team. Uh, so those are those are some of the freshmen. And in general, I feel like it's important to talk about this uh, when we're talking about what teams are going to do, what who who are the real threats in March. Um so on this list that I made, three of the guys play for Arkansas and five of the top 25 players play for Duke. And both of these teams are consistently through other people's rankings. Uh, we'll come out with our own rankings eventually. Uh, consistently uh, ranked as top seven teams in the country, top 10 teams in the country. And I feel like we've learned over the last couple of years, especially, especially with that Duke team last year that who, who was largely, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of people thought that Duke team would be a top three team and they did make it to the final four and like kind of their road was uh, formed in front of them in a lot of ways. But 
it just seems like it's really hard to rely on this freshman class to be a, a bellwether team that can withstand a lot of things considering how much returning talent is coming back. Yeah, I like I've said about the class, I just don't I don't see the strength here. Um and teams that are relying heavily on these classes, like like Duke is very invested in 2022 and 2023 um, as it currently stands. And and let's be real, like this is going to be kind of like the, the proving ground for John Shire and whether he's a quality college basketball coach. Um, and I just don't know if these are the, this is the personnel that he wants to stake his career on. I mean, maybe he does because he, he did sign all these players, but. Isn't it hard to say no though? When a bunch yeah. of five stars are like, yeah, I would love to come play for you at Duke. Yeah. Yeah. But, it but it is interesting that he is not prioritizing the transfer portal at all. Right. Yeah. I, and, yeah. That, you know, there are, you know, like Jeremy Roach is back. Like that's some experience in the backcourt. Is um, it good experience? Uh, I mean, that's debatable. No, we're, we're about to see. That's for sure. Because right. I, I, I'm so fascinated by Jeremy Roach's season last year because he was pretty meh for lo- most of it that is turned it, nice. t- turned it up <laughs> turned it up in about february became really solid in march like duke turned a corner granted it was the acc i was the only acc believer on the podcast and still well, still are was jeremy yeah. roach a top 10 guard in the acc it's a long pause, Tuck. I feel like three of the best guards in the ACC were on Miami. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you had all the Miami guards. Alondis Williams I have. Alondis, you've got both of R.J. Uh, Davis and Caleb Turqu- Love. Turquavian, I would probably take over Jeremy Roach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. The answer no. We don't have to do this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> but yeah, like it's not. It's not like they're like, oh, we're bringing back an all ACC point guard um, to run Duke. It's like you're you're fucking Duke and Jeremy Roach is your point guard. Yeah. The guys that they have coming in, like I want to believe, but I don't, I just don't. I mean, Filipowski is like, <laughs> I just, I, he's I, a good passer. Like two, he's a really good passer. Okay. There's like, there's like two of these like he's highly talented freshmen. On Josh this, would on love him so much if he was coming to Gonzaga, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. All Josh would be doing is talking about Kyle Filipkowski. I'm going to be honest with you right now. He <laughs> would not play this year at Gonzaga at all. Like, there'd be zero minutes for him to play this year at Gonzaga. I'm not I'm not playing him over Timmy, zero, of course. I'm not playing him minutes. over Watson. I'm not playing him over Efton uh, Reed. I'm folks, just not, it, right. folks right. it is officially within 50 days of college basketball because Josh is saying my guys over those guys. Absolutely. <laughs> My uh, guys over those kids. Yeah, over those children. Uh <laughs> I, I would so like I want to defend the Duke class a little bit because I agree, I agree that there's a lot of inexperience. I think uh Derek Whitehead's uh foot injury is going to be a big deal. It's gonna be significant, but I legitimately think Whitehead could be the best player from this class, uh, if given the opportunity and if he turns a corner and develops the way that he's capable of developing. I think Derek Lively is going to be an enforcer. I don't think he's going to be Mark Williams level like Mark was last year, but I think he is a great rim protector, a great rebounder. He's not going to be asked to do a lot. He'll he'll probably have a similar role as Mark, really. Um, I really like Tyrese Proctor, but I don't know at all how much John Chai is going to like give him to to work. I think he could. He's like he's got great. There's something about the like actual fundamental guards out of Australia, like Tyrese, like Josh Giddy, these these guards that are like really able to break down with court vision. And Tyrese Proctor Proctor has has absurd court vision. Uh seeing seeing that uh translate just because who's he been playing against? He's been playing against, you know, like Crocodile Dundees for the entirety of his life. So seeing him translate is gonna be really important to see. Uh Where's the shooting coming from this team? Tyrese and uh, Philip Kowski is pretty much the entirety of their perimeter shooting. 
Whitehead's a decent shooter, I should say. He's three level. But yeah, it's just like, like, hey, you haven't proven this at the college level. Like, there's a yeah. big difference between shooting well in high school and yeah. stepping up and playing in college. I was just gonna say the one guy in this due class that I that I would stake my name on potentially being a good player this year and living up to the, the potential of, of his high ranking in this class at the next level is Derek Lively because yeah. he just has his game is such and his size is such that he's going to have a clear advantage over some of these guys mm-hmm. he's going against next year. And yeah. I do, I do like his rim protection. I do like, um, you know, his bounciness and, you know, some of the athleticism he brings to the table, but, but yeah, there's just, so many question marks across the board with the other guys. I'm just yeah, and even and even Derek Lively, he's he hasn't really proven that he can like break down an opponent off the bounce or even pass out from uh you know playing in the block. Like a lot of his stuff is like I get the ball, I go up. So like seeing him, seeing him like legitimately against like grow like grown 20 something year olds is going to be an interesting thing to see. I I think I think Duke is going to like potentially put it all together. I don't none of the none of these guys to me are as impressive as Paula was, you know? Like none of them are no none, none of them all. are none of them are like in that level of polishness that that will really be like a a dependable get to the basket kind of kind of player. I, I no. just don't see that. Um none of these guys are gonna be top five draft picks. Uh I would disagree with that. I think Whitehead has the potential too and I think Lively has the potential too. But one, only one of them. Only one of them. And I will say, and this is part of a bigger conversation, I think there's a legitimate possibility that a freshman from college basketball does not get selected until the fourth or fifth pick. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Weminyama is going before them. Scoot Henderson yep. and the Thompson brothers are going before. And like, honestly, I would not. The Thompsons, if people haven't seen them, are yeah. freaks. Uh, if you want to talk freaks. about verticality, uh, those children, uh, they're ch- they're shins at the backboard, basically. Yeah. Uh, I I would say I would say a big thing too is like I think there's going to be somebody either a sophomore or an upperclassman that's going to break out. And, and show a development because again, like that freshman class last year was also a freshman class that uh, had a high school season robbed from them uh, because of COVID. So like there there's players that have a lot of development, even already in college and uh, two of them are on the Gonzaga Bulldogs team. Uh, I, think, I think one of the only freshmen in this class that I could see potentially break into that top three range would be like Nick Smith. I think Nick Smith. I think Cam Whitmore might. Uh, hey, yeah, that's another. That's another guy I really like. I just because Cam Cam's got Cam's got there. the size. Cam Whitmore for Villanova. Uh, he's got he's got a size and athleticism to him that's already pretty developed for an eighteen year old, and he he does show potential to be comfortable creating off 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 on his own. And it's just a question of like how much Villanova is going to lean on him in terms of showcasing that. But yeah. I, but yeah, I totally agree. I don't think this freshman class comes even remotely close to last year's mm. freshman class. I think that no. the couple of guys that like you were talking about potential breakout candidates from um, you know returning players like Caleb Love. Mm-hmm. I'm, I look, I'm not a huge Caleb Love fan, but like Caleb Love has the talent, and this year he's going to have the usage that he could become a top five pick in the draft. Like that's the level of of you know, showcase he's going to be able to put on in North Carolina. Whether he actually does that or not, we'll see. Joshua, that's, I'm just saying that is take that, a timeout. That's it. I uh, I have yet to put the big board up, but Caleb Love uh, potential top five pick. Do you want that on the board, Josh? I'm not okay. Again, let me rephrase this because I don't think you guys are on the same page from here. I'm not saying he's going to be a top five pick. I'm saying out of the returning players guys who could potentially get the usage and have the talent to, to push themselves into that conversation. He's he one does of not the guys. have the talent. All right. All right. I just, I don't think it's like a Jaden Ivy situation with Caleb Love. No, no, I, I don't think it is either. And but, I, but honestly, like, I wouldn't again, bet but, on him being a top five pick. But, I'm just saying like, he's on the list of guys who could potentially break out. And like, I would also say that like this NBA town class outside of tank for tank for Wems, like 
Yeah. And, and, and some Scoot. of the G League and Sco- outside of Scoot, Wems, and the Thompson brothers. It's, it's there's ne- there's nothing there's nothing there like not which nothing there why, which is why it's not absurd even even like Gigi Jackson, Jackson. Uh, yeah I'm, like I'm so intrigued by Gigi Jackson Gigi Jackson uh, decided to decommit from North Carolina commit to South Carolina as a 17 year old he's going to legitimately be one of the four youngest I think, and he's their only players. player yeah he's going I was so fascinated like I really hope this is a like, disaster I hope this isn't an Imani Bates situation where it's like too much, too quick for a young kid. I really, really close your ears, Brian Ralph. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, is this is this the third year in a row that we see an Iowa Hawkeye come out of nowhere to become like a uh, All American, bro? Is Chris, I, is Chris I, Murray going to be that guy? So, like, legitimately, I wanted to talk myself out of believing in Chris Murray because I was like, oh, these people just think it's like uh, the the Disney Channel movie Double Team based off of the sisters that go to the WMEA. <laughs> oh, they're both, double team. they're both just as good. They're both great. When really in real life, one sister was far better than the other one. Yeah. Uh, Chris Murray's really good. He's really good. He didn't get a lot of playing time because of his brother. Yeah. But like when he yeah, did play, it was unreal. Because his brother, like, legitimately might be secretly one of the best draft picks of that class. He's uh, yeah. Um, I would I would say I would I, I can't Chris- wait to hype up Chris Murray during the regular season and then watch Iowa lose in the first round again. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> no way happen. that team's ever going to get out. Okay, of the first round you again. can believe you can believe in the Murray family and also believe in the opposite direction of the McCaffrey family. That's very, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, very no, awesome. absolutely. That's okay, very could, awesome. so I'm I'm just thinking out loud. Like, who else returning could potentially work their way into that top five, top ten conversation? Like. I, Jalen Wilson, maybe? No. Jalen Wilson, I don't know. Uh, maybe. Uh, far too, I don't think, I just don't think that there's like those kind of components. I think there's a lot of guys that could become lottery picks, but in terms of like top flight talent, I don't think there's a Jaden Ivy out there. Closest two guys I can think of. Terquavion? Terquavion was one of them, but only yeah. he's got to prove it. Like he's got to, I, I think it's less about, I think it's less about his tools and his skill set and his athleticism. And it's more like, Bro, show me you can put it together and lead a team. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy I think is Kaluma, Arthur Kaluma. Yeah, Kaluma's gonna yeah. be. I think he's gonna be up there in the top fifteen, but I don't. I don't know if he's gonna. That team, th- that Creighton the, team, just has so much that it's like, I don't. Is he gonna stand out enough to like? Yeah, but I don't think that top? matters. I don't think that matters anymore. I feel like Maybe. I feel like more so than ever. It's about like blips and then like showcases, like. Are we know. in or out on Marcus Bagley doing anything for Arizona State this year? <laughs> out. I'm out on everything Arizona State. Uh, I really am, Josh. I'm trying to like think of your question very seriously. Of like, is there any returning player that could be a like a top five pick, and it doesn't exist? There's, yeah. Like I was thinking, like, okay, what if what if Harrison no. Ingram blows up no. Julian Julian no. Strother? Yeah. No. Julian uh, at best is. And this is no top offense, 20, to him, but like, right? Maybe. Like, how is he going to break into the top like ten? He's a fourteen to twenty guy. He just isn't athletic enough, and he I needs to become. Which is, be a first which is round he, would, he would need to be like a 44 percent three point shooter on like five to six attempts a game to yeah, yeah. even be remotely considered as a lottery pick. You yeah, know, I could just... see somebody like Namari Burnett at Alabama like come out of nowhere because he was hurt last year and like just have like an amazing season and I could totally see it being somebody that we just know of but don't think he's that guy cuz I yeah. I feel like I feel like that that generally happens there's one breakout returning guy that it just yeah. comes out of nowhere. I mean, like, did anyone think Johnny Davis was going to have the season no. that he had? No, no, not not before. But did no. any? Well, I didn't think he was a lottery pick, but I'm in the minority there. <laughs> I agree with you. I did not. Yeah. Okay. I was out all the way on that. So we talked about returning talent. Let's also break down returning talent, but in New Jersey's. Uh, who are some transfers that we're looking for at, as we had the most bustling portal season to date? All right. Um, I think the guy that I am the not the most interested in, um, but someone that I think will be impactful and that will bring this program back to some level of relevance is Ben Vanderplas for Virginia. 
Um, I actually think he's a very, very solid kind of four or five stretch shooter. He was actually uh, really important in Ohio beating Virginia in the first round of the tournament two years ago. Uh, and he has a long family history with the Bennett's actually. So I think that's kind of like an interesting storyline. And I think he kind of fits in exactly what Virginia needs. And I would expect Virginia to be flirting with that 20 to like 30 range of teams in the country. And, you know, I think Tony Vetta will get it back together and Ben Vanderposs will be a big part of that, which he's like the least exciting player, but I think, and Virginia is the least exciting program. So it kind of fits, he, you know, he fits it so well. Like yeah. you're saying, like he, he's, he's, un, he's like, he's not a great athlete. He's not going to be exciting, you know, with, with his playmaking, but he is a playmaker though. He can pass well at that spot. And it's interesting to me because it's like uh Kihei Clark, super experienced point guard ish kind of player reese beekman super experienced guard mm -hmm. in that system but ben ben vonderplas might be a better passer than both of them this year like yeah. it, how how wild is it that like ohio didn't have that great of a season but legitimately they have two of by far the best affecting transfers in the class. i know with mark sears who who went to alabama and then uh vanderplas and vanderplas he He's drilled 115 threes in the last two seasons. Uh, he was 33.5% last year and then 36% the year prior. Um, legitimately, like, I think, I think him with like the athleticism of the, of the rest of the Virginia front court is going to be really interesting. I think Kihi Clark is going to be a, a huge factor for getting Vanderplas great looks. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm really interested. And I feel like he's one of the like less talked about big time transfers. Who is going to be a more effective ACC big Pete oh, Nance or I'm Ben Vanderplas? I am so ready for this. So Ben Vanderplas, uh, he is not considered the light out sh lights out shooter that Pete Nance is considered to be, but also Vanderplas made 65 on 194 attempts. He shot 102 more threes yeah. than Pete Nance did. Like, again, I'm hammering this point home to anyone that will listen to me. Wait, we don't know that Pete Nance is a sharp shooting volume shooter. We don't know that. No, like, we do not. Yeah, I, I, you know how I feel about Pete Nance. So I'm taking Ben Vonderboss here. Like, I just, I don't, I look. Pete Nance could be good with North Carolina. Like, he'll fit what they're trying to do this year. But, you know, all the people who are saying that he's Brady Manic 2.0, like, he's not. That's just not who he is. He doesn't have the volume of shooting that the Manic had. He doesn't have um, – he doesn't bring to the table a lot from the athletic point, point of view. Like, not that Ben Ronderplatz does all of those things for Virginia – but he fits their system so well that he's going to be highly productive in that system. And he's going to help them be a much more efficient team this year than they have been the last couple of years. And in my opinion, Virginia, and I know some people don't feel this way about them, but I think Virginia is potentially a top 20 ish team in the country this year. So thanks to a lot to Ben Vonderplas. Do we, where, where do we think Virginia lands? Do you think Virginia lands, Third place in the ACC or higher? So we've got North Carolina, Duke. Virginia, Miami. I think third place is, is doable. Uh -huh. I, I think, think third place is doable, too. I don't think Miami is, is, like, incredible. I don't think Miami's better than they were last year. I think they're good, and, and they, they have a chance to be really good, depending upon how the transfers all fit together. Um, but maybe it doesn't go that way for them. So, But, yeah, Shout I think Virginia wallet. just brings a lot to the table this year from bringing back when you bring back what is it like the top six scores on that team from last year and we haven't even talked about Jaden Gardner who's like exceptionally talented like out of the group um you know that Virginia is good and honestly they, I can see them finishing ahead of Duke they lost are they good are you how confident wow, okay are you? all right wow let's chill out here I, like, I'm not high on Duke this year I'm sorry I'm not high on Duke either, but I don't know. Like Ben Vanderplas is nice, but 
it's not all Ben Vanderplas though. I mean, it's just it's it's a it's the the sum of the part. Like all of these dudes together, and I they mean, bring in a top twenty five recruiting class too. Not that it's a great class, but yeah, that's like saying yeah. I'm not. I, there isn't even a metaphor for how bad that is. Uh, I would say like, I mean, Virginia legitimately was the shot under thirty percent from three last season. Yeah, they shot twenty nine point nine percent from three. Is Vonderplas going to be that big of a difference maker if he's the only guy on the team that can shoot? Yeah, I think he will. And I think his shooting will be better with Virginia than it was last year. I think he's improving on that every year pretty much. So, I don't know. I, I, we'll I have- see. I mean, the, you know, we haven't talked about Isaac Trout, who's a coming incoming freshman. That's pretty good. But, you know, will Tony Bennett actually, like, trust him? to be a key cog in their offense like is he going to get more than 10 minutes a game uh i don't know i i go saying that virginia is going to be better than duke i think is going i'm saying there's a possibility that they could be i think there's i think there's i think there's a possibility that they they are just from the fact that like we talked about it's going to be five freshmen you know for that duke team i think granted those five freshmen are better than anyone that virginia has on their roster yeah but yeah but that's but again talent over experience in the college game is not always a winner like experience not always but most of the time it is (laughs) most of the time how many how many coaches do you think would take okay uh how many coaches do you think would take nick smith over will richard a lot i'm sure the answer is all of them how many okay so moving up how many would take nick smith over jalen llewellyn everyone probably except for maybe like two or three teams where llewellyn fits their system slightly better but again that's tyrese hunter how many how many would pick tyrese hunter over nick smith a lot probably Tyrese Hunter was very good last year for Iowa State. I I totally agree with that, and I I I think it's actually pretty close. Um, Kendrick Davis, because no like one, that's the no best. No one would take Nick Smith over Kendrick Davis. No one. I don't Do think you agree so. with that, Austin. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, Kendrick I mean, Davis is the best point guard, pure yeah. point guard in college basketball. By year. by far the by far the biggest treasure of the transfer portal. Um. And nice segue because are you going to talk about Amariah? Because I got a lot to say. Kendrick Davis is special good. Like what he did last year at SMU, which was not a good team by any stretch of the imagination um, in in the AAC. But we're talking like top 100, around top 100 in the country in assist rate. Um, Really, really advanced playmaker. Like what he can do with the ball is, is pretty special. Now he has a little bit of a turnover issue at times, but I think in this in this system with Penny, who has not yet had the, a playmaker like Kendrick Davis in his time at Memphis, um, with some of the athletic ability that this roster has around him, Kendrick Davis is going to be able to do some things with the Tigers this year that that he did not get a chance to do with SMU last year. And um, you know, overall, like there's not there's not a lot of guys in the country that are as adept as a a playmaker. Um, he's also a really good rebounder like for a guard um and he just he he's he's such a well-rounded player across the board that like i don't think it's really even that close as far as pure point guards this year like kendrick is the best in the country yeah i have i have no disagreement there and just like you said the pure fact that his center last season for all intents and purposes was one of the weathers twins who was six foot five like there is there is just like a difference in the type of talent and roster that Penny Hardaway is able to recruit and get to his program. And I got to say, I I think like, I understand that it didn't work last season for most of the year, but it came together the last two months of the season. Like it was, it was clear that they weren't in Houston's area code whatsoever in that conference. And, and there was like a, a noticeable difference between SMU and Memphis to Houston but I think legitimately Memphis was as good as Arkansas was. I was like, I was more impressed with that Memphis team than the Arkansas team when Gonzaga played them in a lot of ways. So 
I think Kendrick, I think Kendrick is going to show out this year. You know, one, one thing that isn't often talked about with Kendrick either is how much he's improved as an outside shooter in his career. Um, I mean, you can just look at his growth in volume, like from usage on the perimeter from his first few years to last year, he went from 67 three pointers in 2021 to 207 last year and kept basically the same shooting percentage. Um, 37 plus percent and you know having more talent around him is only going to improve his ability from the perimeter um, as a scorer as well so just yeah overall super efficient super high level player that really changes the conversation for memphis this year i feel like yeah kendrick davis last year made one less three than he made the entire first three seasons of his collegiate career it's pretty remarkable uh my transfer that I'm excited to see, there's there's a few that have caught my eye, but I I mentioned him earlier in the podcast. I and and we talked about this in the last episode. I am so intrigued by Kevin McCuller at Kansas and what he's capable of doing. I think he is going to be their most important player. I don't think Jalen Williams, Jalen Wilson is going to be their most important player. I think, I think it's going to be Kevin McCuller. I think, I think Kevin McCuller is better than Jalen Wilson is. Um, I, I, I do understand that he's not the scorer that he is, but he's just does so many other things and he's, he's able to, to, to create so much more for his teammates and create for himself. Uh, if Kansas has a shot, to win the Big 12 again, which is going to be really tough. I, I think that Baylor team is, like, on paper significantly better than this Kansas team. Uh, it's going to come down to Kevin McCuller. McCuller, he's able – he's the closest thing I can think of to somebody that can guard one through five or at least guard one through four and put up a fight against the five. Uh, he's six foot six, super long, super physical – um, I just, I just think that, I just think that McCuller, McCuller, like McCuller almost feels like the opposite of what Remy Martin was when Remy was brought into Kansas, where, where Remy is this offensive weapon, this guy that's, that's able to, to launch it and, and, and find, get to his spot and get off on his spot. Uh, I, I think McCuller is a way more proven commodity and while his ceiling may not be as like extravagant or, or program changing or, or game changing. I think his floor is so much higher than what, what Remy was last year. I think, I think his defensive ability is game changing for Kansas, like his length and defensive tenacity, what he brings in the perimeter game. Um, and I also think he's, he's, he's not yet there as a shooter, but he, I think, I feel like he's grown as a shooter like and this is something that kansas is definitely going to need so if he can find even an extra half ish percent on you know from outside like with with a slight bump in in usage like that could be a a, you know an important piece for kansas this year as well it just can't be underestimated how little kevin mcculler was set up last year to succeed offensively yeah like they just did not have the creators offensively, they did not have the offensive system that was going to make him successful. And I think Bill Self is going to get him a lot more open looks. I, I think that he's going to be a better shooter this year. Now, is he going to be in that 38-plus range? Eh, we'll see. But I think he will be a better shooter, and he will be a more effective offensive player. I have skepticism that he's going to be as effective of a defender in Kansas' system as he was in Texas Tech just because of how good of a fit he was in that no middle switch mm-hmm. everything defense because of how strong he is, because of how long he is, um, because of his ability to fight in the post, play extremely like pressure defense on the perimeter. I don't know if Bill Self's going to use him in that way because they don't have the personnel to do that. You know, yeah. when you're when you're trying to communicate with, you know, fucking Grady Dick instead of Terrence Shannon and, you know, Adonis Arms, uh, and you know that you're going to get yanked out of the game 
uh, at Texas Tech because you've got 50 other guys that are 6'7 and 225 <laughs> for some reason. You know, I, how that happened, I don't know. Um, they just, you know, they're different in Texas apparently. Um, yeah. But that's not Kansas's roster. So are you going to have the communication at Kansas that you would have had at Texas Tech and the likeness of body type? You're just not going to have that. So He's going to have to get used to that. It's going to be different. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a very effective defender. He is. But is he going to be the best defender in the Big 12 like he was last mm. year? Mm. I, I'm intrigued, though, because I think I think we underestimate Dewan Harris as a defender. Dewan was like a legitimate steel artist. Uh, oh, I'm not saying Dewan Harris is bad. Yeah, I just. But he's small. You're yeah, not running yeah. a switching defense with Dewan Harris. Yeah, but that's what I mean. He's small enough that he could be the point of attack defender and Kevin McCuller could could switch on to whoever the best score is on the other team. Sure. If that's sure. not the point guard. I just, uh, I think there's a difference between Kevin McCuller as like, Hey, Kevin, you're taking this guy and you're just going to shut him down. Like he can do that. But yeah. That's not what he's the most effective as, um, as a defender. Um, yeah. he does a lot more than that. He's not just that like, you know, Kawhi Leonard, just, Hey, we're putting you on their best player and you're just going to absolutely ruin their life. I don't necessarily disagree that he's not like an individual lockdown defender. Um, Texas Tech prides themselves on team defense and, yep. you know, everybody being in the position they need to be in at the time they need to be there. Um, and Kansas is not that. But again, like you said, he does have the individual defensive talent to be a game changer for Kansas in addition to the pieces that they have. He's going to be a plus defender. You know, and that that's solid. Um, that brings something to the table. And again, mix that with his innate offensive talents that he has that maybe weren't unlocked with the Red Raiders. Um, and suddenly he looks super intriguing on paper, you know, playmaker, potentially growing his shooting, potentially becoming a center point or a focal point for that offense. Like, I like what I see on paper uh, for Kevin McCuller with the Jayhawks. Okay, so those are our transfers and freshmen to look at. We talked a little bit about returning talent, uh, but yeah, I there's it's interesting because I feel like the transfer portal was a bigger game changer for teams than than necessarily any part of the recruiting class. Uh, like we talked about, Nick Smith probably outside Kendrick Davis, you would take him over over anybody in the transfer portal. But for the most part, I feel like the transfers are going to be like the deciding factors for if, you know, top 25 teams last season remain in the top 25. And if, you know, some of these teams like Virginia or, or Michigan or uh, hell, I would say even Auburn and Alabama can uh, turn a corner and become one of those, one of those teams that plays deep in March, but we're going to have a lot more for you in terms of previewing the season coming ahead, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. 